Hey everybody, Jace here. Real quick before we get started, I just wanted to ask you a huge favor. If you follow me on Twitter, you know I've been embarrassing myself on a weekly basis for this Bad Idea Fan Cup, and there is a tweet that is pinned to my profile on Twitter, and I just need you to go and like it. It literally will take you know 10 seconds to open up Twitter, type in twitter.com forward slash the comic source, and just like the video. Uh, if you want to retweet it, that's cool too. Um, but no quote t- tweets because it, I really just need the likes. So I appreciate everybody. Here's the episode. Hope you enjoy it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comics Force podcast. I'm your host, Jace. This is another creator-owned spotlight. We're going to be talking about a campaign that's launching on Zoop very, very soon as we record this, probably already live by the time you hear it. Uh, The project is called uh, Pink Midnight Presents the Butterfly House, and I have the writer Paul Aller joining me. Paul, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for those that uh, aren't familiar... Uh, those listeners that maybe haven't heard your name, uh, it's a name that I'm definitely familiar with. You've worked on a lot of different comics for all kinds of publishers, Monkey Brain, and obviously self-published stuff, Image, all that sort of thing. So um, what are some of your more well-known projects that people may have uh, have seen? Or or maybe if they don't recognize your name, they'll recognize the title of the, the book. Uh, yeah, on the work for hire side, um, I'm probably best known for uh, my Ninja Turtle stuff. I've done quite a bit of... Um... Of work in the IDW Turtles line. Um, I did the the first arc of TMNT Universe and a couple other arcs of that. Uh, Shredder and Fugitive One Shots, Mutanimals, um, just a bunch of different stuff here and there. Uh, I've also done a lot of work on on GI Joe, including most recently, um, along with uh, Chris Avenhouse and and Brittany Peer, we did a um, a relaunch of GI Joe in 2019 that lasted uh, 12 issues and kind of our charge working with IDW and Hasbro was to, like reinvent. Uh, the property for, for for the modern age, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, just in terms of Power Rangers, did the Power Rangers Death Ranger issue earlier this year that got uh, a fair bit of attention and blew. Uh, worked on Godzilla, Samurai Jack, just lots of different properties. Uh, a few couple years back, I sat down and like kind of for a, a thing I had to put together, I like listed all the properties I've worked on, and I was like, "Wow, <laughs> it really like adds up over over ten years." It was, um, that was pretty cool. Uh, and on the creator-owned side, yeah, um, I've I've had several books out. I did a book called Hollow Heart, the poster right yep. there, uh, for for Vault with uh, Paul Tucker. Also with Paul Tucker, I did a book called Tet, which is about a Vietnam War crime romance story. Uh, Past the Last Mountain, which came out recently through uh, CEX Publishing, uh, Monstro Mechanica from Automaton, um, Strange Nation from Monkey Brain, and a couple other odds and ends here and there so yeah yeah, that's that's some of my stuff so i just just like spent several minutes rattling off my credits there (laughs) yeah hollow Hollow heart is a a favorite of mine and i especially love your you're mentioning you know all these uh different properties a lot of them licensed comics Mm -hmm. um and what initially what got me to pick up hollow heart you had the the rom space night homage cover yes yeah Yeah, that was was, yeah huge rom fan so i had to pick that up I think that was all Nathan Gooden and, and Tim Daniel. So major props to those guys for doing that. That was, that was an awesome cover. Yeah. 
Well, uh, we're here today to talk about your Zoop project. As I as I mentioned, um, this Pink Midnight presents the Butterfly House. Uh, as we're speaking, everybody, like I said, the the um, the campaign's not live, uh, but we'll get into some some details of what the story's about, what some of the tiers are that are uh, available. But uh, on the pre-launch page, there's a little blurb there, and it talks about what a personal project this is for you, Paul. Mm-hmm. So can you, first of all, give us an idea of what the, the book is about, and then talk a little bit about how much it means to you, how important this project is. Sure. Um, well, the book, like I said, is called Pink, Pink Midnight Presents the Butterfly House. And Pink Midnight Presents the idea is that it's, a, it's an anthology series. It's going to be a series of... Um, of sort of odd slipstream one shots all done with the artist Juan Romero and editor Claire Napier all done in uh, black and white. And this first one, the butterfly house, I don't know if you've had a chance to check it out, but it's uh it has no dialogue. Um, they, they won't all be that way, but this first one is like black and white, no dialogue. It's just um, a very simple, weird, stark story. Um, and really the, the a big part of the impetus for, for this project it was partly wanting to tell these kinds of sort of um, slipstream eerie stories and also probably just wanting to work with, with Juan Romero some more because he just does such gorgeous, gorgeous black and white work and is so good at leaning into the weirdness of a, of a, of a project while still maintaining a sense of real, real humanity to it. And I wanted to, to take advantage of that. So this first one, the butterfly house is, um, I don't really want to say too much about the story, but it's about uh, a narrator or, or a main character, not narrator since there's no words, but a main character who uh, enters the titular butterfly house and uh, does not go the way he expects. Um, some very odd things happen. So it's it's a bit of a of an odd um, horror story. And yeah, it is, a, it is a fairly personal story. In many ways, it's it's an allegory for uh, for gender identity and discovering who you are and how you want to navigate the world. Um, and just tells that through a very horrific lens. Um, and I, I I came out as as non-binary a couple of years ago, like in I think March of 2021. After a few years of sort of thinking about it and and talking to friends and sort of making that discovery about myself and um it was interesting I, I came out as 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 bisexual like back in the back in the mid 90s um when i was like in high school in a very rural community and that was hell <laughs> you know what i mean so um so i have to say that this my, my second coming out was just such a such a a pleasant a little um <laughs> dreamboat of an experience so yeah yeah well you mentioned that there's not any dialogue in the in the first uh volume here of this mm-hmm. anthology which i always find to be really interesting and certainly comics medium when we talk about telling stories through sequential pictures sometimes with words added you know maybe we could say most of the time with words added this time that's not the case but the fact is that telling stories with illustration is kind of the earliest form of storytelling right we can go all the way back to caveman drawing on walls to you know, relate narrative or, or, you know, tell stories. Um, somebody listening may think, well, if you wrote this and you're doing this with Juan Romero. There's no actual words. So isn't Juan really doing all the work? But that, that I mean, that's not the case at all. If you look at a comic strip, you know, you're sort of directing if you want to, you know, use a film an- an- analogy. And Juan is maybe kind of the director of photography who's, you know, blocking everything out. Well, this is the best way to tell the story. We'll put this person here and we'll use this camera angle and this depth of field and that sort of thing. So can you talk a little bit about the challenges of doing something without 
any dialogue to kind of help move the story along. Uh, and yeah, also it, it kind of your, you know, your role as a writer when there isn't any dialogue really. Yeah. Uh, sure. I can do that. I, I will say this to your point, like not to like step, step on you or anything, but I, I, I've never been a big fan of the, like, I've heard that before, like the idea of the writer is like the director and the artist is more the director of photography. And I, I, I feel like that, that kind of doesn't really express how much of a, of an equal partnership comic storytelling mm-hmm. is. Okay. And That's I, right. I, 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 I kind of feel like for me, like I understand like the, the desire to like express it through the medium uh, or, you know, through the language of other, other media, but there really, there's there's no equivalent in other media for for the way things are are divided in comics. But um, setting that aside, yeah, it, it was it was a really interesting challenge, and um, this one in particular, it was ex- extremely close partnership with Juan, where I, I for the most part didn't uh, didn't write this one out panel by panel, but just we kind of worked together to um, to convey the beats of the story. But I let him really handle the. Um, the, the individual paneling to a much greater extent than I than I normally do because that is a a, a big strength of his. Um, he's he's so good at storytelling and at like creating that eerie sense about things. So I really have to give him like just a, just a tremendous amount of credit um, for for the the success of this book. But um, yeah, it, it was it was interesting uh, working with him to try to find ways to express the things that are happening um, without words. And I think it helps that this story is. Um, I was gonna say a simple story. It's not. It's a very complex story in many ways, but it's 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 both complex and simple, which will make more sense when you when people have had a chance to to read it. But um, there's not a lot of explanation by by design, so the um, the lack of dialogue in many ways allowed us to to tell a story that does leave you at asking a lot of questions about you know what the heck just happened um, and. Our, my hope with this and with all the all the pink men I present stories is that when you end it you you'll feel like you didn't necessarily don't necessarily you can't necessarily explain what you just read but it has its own sort of internal logic and its own sort of internal storytelling sense that like it, it feels complete and it feels like the right things happened in the same way that sometimes you'll feel like after you watch like a like a, a David Lynch movie or like the third season of Twin Peaks is a great example of that where like you know you might not be able to say Here's what happened ABC, but but it 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 it, it feels internally um, and in a sort of dream logic way, like like you just saw something that that makes sense and and works, even if you don't know how it works. Would it be fair to say that you know more so than conveying a story where somebody could sit there and say, okay, this happened, followed by this happened, this happened, and these are the reasons it happened. It's more about evoking mood or or tone. You're trying to connect to uh, the reader on more of an emotional level. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it. I, I, I do. I mean, there definitely is a story and a plot, and I do hope that you walk away feeling like you know that there was a satisfying story and a plot. Just it's just um, one that sort of operates more on more on dream logic um, than than being able to to tell someone here's exactly what happened and here's exactly why it happened. So, um, but yeah, yeah, that's 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 absolutely a big a big part of it. Yeah, yeah, and I often feel, and this is especially true with uh, sequential storytelling, where you have visuals that can evoke, you know, mood. Um, everybody's going to bring their own life experience. You know, as as a reader, you bring, you know, whatever you bring, whatever your life experience, the things you've been through, whatever. So you're always reading through your own lens, and that that's what's so cool about you know connecting with story, because the writer and the artist, in the case of comics, 
they're bringing their life experience. They're putting that on the page. And then there's, you know, if it's a, if it resonates with you as a reader, you know, you're finding some, some common ground. So, you know, you mentioned it being a personal story and people are going to bring their own subjectiveness to it. Um, was Juan somebody knowing the story that you wanted to tell was Juan and, and, you know, your friendship with him, your cl- former collaborations or what have you, was he somebody you always had in mind for this project? Like why was he such a good fit for it, especially with given the challenges of creating this without dialogue. Yeah, absolutely. The idea of the, of the Pink Men I Present series um, preceded this particular story. And that was definitely, like I said, in large part from looking at Juan and seeing his work and going like, I want to make like some weird slipstream stories with this guy because I think he would be really, really good at that. And I should say that when I say weird, like I think a lot of times in comics, weird is, is used to mean like wacky or eccentric. Like, you know, it's about, you know, werewolves on venus you know and 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 that's that's not the kind of weird i'm talking about i'm, I'm talking about weird like disquieting weird like it doesn't it, it leaves you you know with sort of a sense of of of, of eeriness um and, and and oddness um sorry <laughs> kind of got lost in my own answer there a little bit oh yes but but yeah yes so yeah it, it definitely was inspired by juan and then this particular story was one that came to me um in a kind of an odd way um when i was flying on a plane a few years ago it was like my first time on a plane since before the pandemic um and i um i guess it was yeah sometime last summer yeah um and i um sorry <laughs> um uh this story sort of came to me all at once in like a big and like a sort of a like like a big rush of um it was this weird i was like half awake and half asleep and just all of a sudden this story just kind of sort of started unspooling in my brain almost in real time um in a very a very odd way that's really never happened to me before usually with my work i have to like hammer out every single plot mm-hmm. beat um in a very deliberate way so but yeah yeah but no yeah i, I always had one in mind for the the whole series and then when this story came to mind i was like oh this i gotta do this for pink midnight presents it's perfect for that and one would be perfect for that as well and and perfect for for the first installment the first volume yeah like, yeah definitely. Start with this? yeah well like i said like i, I initially I, I had the idea for the whole series before this one so I, I had some other ideas of which one to start with but then when when this came to my, my mind i was like yes yeah, it's, it's, it's got to be this this is our this is our opening story for sure and did you know right from the start when it kind of, you know, initially formed in your mind that you were going to go without any dialogue and just tell the story with uh, with graphic uh, graphics? Yeah, I don't know exactly when that came to me, but I think it was probably very early. And I don't I don't remember ever a time when I was definitely I definitely never never scripted this book with dialogue. I don't remember there ever being a time when I thought of it as as having dialogue. So I'm sure that must be a decision I made consciously at some point, but I think it was made like so early on that it, it kind of feels simultaneous with the birth of the project itself. Gotcha. Well, with this being a, a long-term anthology project, um, and you say you've you know you have other ideas for for stories, are they all going to be dialogue free? Are they all going to be horror? what's kind of the, you know, the through line of the series, if you will, what, what's going to tie it all together? Yeah. Uh, no, they're not all going to be dialogue free. The next one is, for example, is, is, is not dialogue free. Um, they're, they're not all going to be as horrific. I think they all have like some elements of horror to it, but they're all going to be like the, the, that like sort of weird slipstream genre, just us telling like, you know, oddball offbeat stories that we, that we want to tell um, and that may not, you know, fit very cleanly into the, 
into the market, but I think still has a has a big audience for them out there. So yeah. What is it that draws you to those type of stories? Is it just that they, you know, things that are sort of weird out there, you know, Twilight Zone, uh, just kind of engender people to sort of, well, what did I just read or, or think about or talk about or ruminate? Yeah, on at yeah time? I, I think I've always liked that, that sort of thing. I've always liked the kind of thing that like leaves you sort of feeling a sense of, of displacement and a sense of, you know eeriness um and when you can pull when you can pull that off and also make it feel like a like a complete story i think that's a that's a real cool coup yeah but i mean things that people are familiar with like the, the, like the twilight zone obviously but also like a big influence on this i think it was um um the british writer robert aikman from the mid-20th century who wrote a lot of like really odd eerie ghost stories and was mostly known for his for his short stories um that again like a lot of his stories like you, you finish them and you're like you can't say here's what happened ABC, but it feels complete in your brain and it, it leaves you sort of, yeah. And I feel like there's always been, there's, a, there's an, been an element of that in a lot of my, of my work, an element of like sort of an eerie, melancholy, incomplete feeling. But this was an opportunity for me to really like lean into it extremely heavily with these, with these, these stories. Yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned your editor on the project, uh, Claire Napier. Now, is yeah. she someone that you have have worked with before? Talk a little bit, because I know a lot of people maybe don't realize what the role of an editor is. They just think it's you know calling the <laughs> the artist or the writer to bug him to get their stuff in by by deadline, but it, it really is a lot more than that, right? Yeah, I feel like I've worked with Claire on a lot more published stuff than I actually have. You know what I mean? Um, I think because like I, I've, we worked together on like a lot of, a lot of pitches, and I've, I've like sort of like bounced a lot of things off of her on on projects that she was not like officially involved in. Um, but yeah, on paper, she edited a one shot that I did with uh, Seth Adams called um, Seth Adams and, and colorist Josh Jensen called a uh, Goth. Um, it came out a few years ago. Um, and she was also the editor and co-writer on one installment of a, a series of shorts uh, that I did with uh, Chris Avenhouse and, and, and Bri Peer uh, earlier this year called uh, Sister Crash. Um, so yeah, we've worked together on a few things before and um, she's fantastic. Claire is just so good at like um, at zeroing in on, on what is working, on what may not be working, and really on strengthening things that are already working, which is, you know, um, a really good quality for an editor to be able to to do to not just identify problems, but to, you know, identify areas where you can bring more of your strength to it. Um, and the other great thing about Claire is that she really um, meets you on where you want to go with the story. Um, she's not an editor who is like, you know, Maybe you should do this because that would make it more marketable. Maybe you should do this because that would make it more of this or that. Um, she really identifies what your goal is with the story and works to help you make the best version of that. Um, and beyond that, she's just a, a brilliant storytelling mind and just uh, just fantastic to work with. Yeah, a lot of times the the best editors are are like they're right. They're there to support you, not necessarily say no. You can't do that, or no, you shouldn't do that, or did you think about it this way? Because like you know, like you said, you want to want to sell more because it's all right. in service to the to the story. And you know, at the end of the day, I've never had a writer say, "Well, yeah, I had," or rarely, I should say, uh, <laughs> I have a writer who says, "Yeah, writing comics is easy. I always have more than enough space to 
tell the story that I want to tell, right? Like it's always, especially when you're self-publishing, you're paying for it yourself. Um, There has to be an economy of, of storytelling to make sure, first of all, everything flows, but you also, you know, you're limited, right? This isn't like you were saying earlier, this isn't like any other medium. It's not like film or television where, you know, you can do certain things uh, in a matter of moments with movement. Uh, You know, there's, there, like I said, there has to be an economy of storytelling. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, you know, again, we mentioned that uh, the the campaign hasn't launched from recording this, but do you know any of the the tiers? Uh, what obviously we're going to have the the you know the main book that you can get the the, the first issue of this. Um, any other rewards or tiers that you're aware of uh, at this point that people are going to be able to uh, to pledge and get? Yeah, we have a really nice variant cover um, by uh, Jody Edwards. It's an amazing uh, watercolor painting that we're putting out as a as a, a virgin uh, variant, um, we are doing a um, a pin that Juan is currently designing uh, that uh, with, with Claire's Claire's assistance, um, as well as like working off a, a doodle that Claire did. Um, that is really awesome. I think people are going to really dig it. And just um, yeah, odds and ends. I think I think we're, we're putting up like a, a script critique from me. I'm a, I'm also a comics writing teacher. I have a many years of experience with that. Um, just, just various, various odds and ends. So yeah, I, I definitely recommend people go over to the site and check it out. And I'm sure you can find something that you would like, but also the book itself is going to be amazing. So um, you definitely want to check it out. Yeah. And just a reminder, everybody that by the time this goes live, by the time you hear it, the, the campaign will be live. There'll be a link in the show notes that you can go and click and go and check it out. Um, and Juan's art is amazing. So I definitely encourage you all to take a couple minutes and go over and, uh, and take a look. Um, well, it's been great chatting with you, Paul. Uh, yeah. Best of luck on the series. Um, is there anything else coming up that you want to tease? And also, do you want to let people know where they can find you uh, on social media if they have uh, questions or, or or later on after they get the, the book, they want to give you some uh, feedback on what they read? Yeah. Oh, please don't do that. <laughs> um, no, you can find me on Twitter at Paul Aller, A-L-L-O-R. Um, that's the best place to find me. I'm on Facebook, but I don't use it very much. Um I'm on Instagram, but that's mostly pictures of my dog, but you should, you should check that out as well. Cause he's, <laughs> he's great. And also if you follow me on Twitter, you will also see plenty of pictures of my dog there too. Um, but um, yeah, up, upcoming stuff. I don't really have uh, a lot has been announced right now. A lot, a lot of unannounced stuff um, right now. I have a turtles one shot um, coming out in a, in a couple months, but um, more, more turtle stuff that has yet to be, to be announced. So yeah, just uh, stay tuned. There's, there's more coming, but not a lot that I can talk about at the moment. Gotcha. Well, everybody sounds like uh, we all need to go and follow Paul. I, I already <laughs> do, but if you don't give Excellent. him a follow on Twitter. So when these projects that are coming up are able to be announced, you, uh, you won't miss out. Awesome. Uh, and I, I, as we're closing up here, I will take the opportunity to remind everybody as I always do the best way you can help out Paul and Juan and Claire, if you aren't able to join the campaign is to share it on social media, right? Like yeah, nothing sure. worse than finding out about a, a crowdfunded campaign after it's over. Now with Zoop, you can oftentimes get the um, the project even after it, it's done. But yeah, the best thing you can do uh, other than joining the campaign, like maybe you want to and you just don't have the means right now or you just don't think it's for you. Just share it. Let's get as many eyes on this thing as possible. So everybody that might want to join will hear about it and go and check it out and be able to pledge. So uh, again, really appreciate the time, Paul, uh, as we're finishing up here, anything else to share with our listeners? Nope. I always feel like I should have some like last minute, amazing thing to say, but, uh, but no, I think we're good. I think we're good. 
a testament to your interviewing skills. Yeah, fantastic. So everybody, again, I highly encourage you, go check it out. Uh, check out Juan's art. Check out the mm-hmm. book. It looks amazing. I can't wait yeah. to uh, to read it. And one of the things that uh, maybe I should have mentioned this a little sooner, I, it's when people hear, oh, it's a comic without any words, you think, oh, that's a quick read. It, it actually is the opposite, right? Because you got to yeah. sort of study the, the pictures to really – I feel like it's more immersive a lot of times. So that's part of the reason I'm so looking forward to this project. So Absolutely, uh, yeah. Again, Paul, best of luck with the project. Uh, and to all you listeners, thanks for joining us as always. Again, link in the show notes to the campaign and to Paul's social media. So go check out the campaign, give him a follow. And we want to thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks so much. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.